0: Father, thank you so much that you are so accessible and that, Father, you don't mind being called Pooh Bear to my piglet because you're so big. And when I look up, all I see is a nice strong pair of legs and a tummy and I'm piglet just hanging on to Pooh's hand and that is just a brilliant way to be, such a sense of security. Father, But for some, your tigger or the Holy Spirit is bouncing in genius at everything we just want you and need you so much Lord, we ask that you will feed every hungry heart here this morning lord that your holy spirit will be so present to minister whatever is needed to everyone that they will take away a nugget of truth with them that they can nibble on for the next week father so we want to bless you and thank you and i ask that you just take your agenda you showed me this morning blank sheet of paper that's i'm not to know what the agenda is you'll just take it so bless you and thank you uh, in jesus name so it's the 31st of october i'm going to tell you a story first you probably know this one Um, the reason is uh, that patience is something we become we become patient it doesn't happen all at once but bit by bit and a lot of you will know this story but i'm going to bore you with it anyway it's from the velveteen rabbit by marjorie williams know it yes what is real asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before nana came to tidy the room does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick out handle Real is not how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child really loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily, or who have sharp edges, or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, and your eyes drop out, you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand mm. <laughs> first time i heard that i bawled my eyes out <laughs> identified with it so much so what the lord showed me this morning was is patient is something we become and it doesn't happen all at once and that's why i wanted to tell you the story of the skin holes but bit by bit, and the first scripture I want to go into is, as I said, 2 Peter 1, 3 to 8. There we go. Zips going. <laughs> mm. I have to tell you the story of uh, Graham Cook and the and the. Uh,
1: Monkey dressed in a,
0: in a what do you call those things? Running suit, blindfolded, going backwards over a precipice on a rope. Yeah. Right, two Peter two one. Peter one three to eight. Thank you. Mine's headed up growth in Christ. Um, his divine power has given to us all given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. That's why I wanted you to have the seed. You have got that. You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's how to access it that's the problem. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the depravity that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." So he's looking for a harvest, isn't he? Do you see how those things, one builds on the other there, adding this to this to this to this to this, and finally you come into a place of love. So we've got all we need, the seed, and the fruit is the outworking through us of the character of God which is forming in us and through our trials and temptations. I just wanted to do a bit of a recap because, you know, for those who haven't been here before and so that they can see where we're going. And remember a few weeks ago we had a look at the garden of our lives, what it was like, and I'll read it for you. For all of us, there are certain people and influences that beat a path through our lives. (coughs) Here are some of them. All of these things can harden our hearts in such a way that there is little or no response to the word of God which may have been planted in our hearts. In the parable of the sower Jesus spoke about pathways, pathway people, where the seeds never germinated. And the following could be some suggestions for why that precious seed isn't sprouting and growing in your life. So check them out. (coughs) The first one is your friends and associates. Who are the people who most frequently pound a path through your life? What sort of impact do they make upon your mind? Are they hardening you against God? Do they compact and compress your convictions against Jesus? Are they slowly solidifying your sentiments against the Spirit? That's the first thing friends and associates, very powerful. Uh, Some people that I've ministered to, the whole of the ministry has been because of the people with whom they made alliances. Their friends, their business associates, uh, and the making of alliances, shaking hands on deals and things like that caused an opening down the soul tie that brought all sorts of muck and rubbish into their lives. So, the literature that we read and the TV programmes we watch. In this area we are more often creatures of habit. We acquire certain appetites and preferences for certain programmes. Are we actually realising that we are clay in the hands of the people who produce those programmes, being manipulated and formed into the image that they choose? We've only got to look at sitcoms. Some people wouldn't miss, I don't remember what they are now. Uh, what's what's give me a sitcom thing? EastEnders, Coronation Street. Coronation Street. It's so real to them, so much part of them, they can't miss it. That they'll they'll jolly video the thing. But it's all fiction. It's all fallen, and it's placing into your mind, not transformation, but confirmation to this world. You're being conformed to the pattern of the world, by what you see, by what you take in, by what isn't seen, by the disrespect that is shown uh, to people, to situations, by the way they live, their sexual habits, everything. It's actually feeding that. While you're feeding that, you're not going to be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind, and your seed is not going to bear, not going to come blossoming forth. So, it is a pattern of worldly thought being cemented in me by what I read and watch? If all you if all you read is Mills and Boone, you may need to change change your reading. The music that we listen to. The biggest biggest problem with the world's music is that it distracts us from the things of the spirit. So be careful, it Lear's what you hear here here. Another one. This is all about the pathway people, where seeds don't germinate, where the ground is trodden down, where the birds of the air come and take them away, snatch them away before they can germinate. The pursuit of pleasure. Some pursuits are noble and commendable, others can be debasing and destructive. Pleasure can become an obsession. Are the resources I devote to my pleasure wisely spent? remember pleasure is physical it's nice to have a nice warm bath that's pleasure that's your physical body feels that happiness depends on what happens it's circumstantial if things are going well I'm happy if they're not I'm not neither of those places are where we're meant to live joy is spiritual and it's a choice joy can well up in you in the hardest circumstances because the joy of the Lord is your strength You can't afford to live in pleasure or in happiness, in uh, fleshly pursuits and in uh, the soul, what happens. We need to begin to move over to live in the spirit. And then we walk in life, peace, the spirit, love, joy, gentleness, all those things, because we've Peanut there, poor old boy, see how miserable he is and how darkened his mind is when he's in the old Adam, your mind is darkened as some of you know I said there was one day when I walked from the kitchen to here, into here and in the hallway I felt like a darkness over my mind, I just, it was like a darkness, like someone putting a hat on and I asked the Lord what it was and it was due to a thought that I'd had coming from the kitchen into here my dark, my understanding was darkened. It was not a godly thought. It was not a nice thought, and it darkened my understanding. The more you walk in the light, the more you will be aware of the darkness. We are accustomed to walking in the dark without us realizing it, and when, as we get, this, you know, the little pinpricks of light, God only expects us to live in the light that we have. But you can't live in my puddle and I can't live in yours because I know better. I have a huge amount of light that I have to walk in. Things that are okay for you are not okay for me. And things that are okay for you this week won't be okay for you next week. Speaking to someone the other day and they said, I'm beginning to think that I have to get rid of the television. Had problems getting the cable put in or something and is beginning to suspect God may be saying something about the sewer that is coming into the house television is your biggest single opening to the demonic because it goes in through your eye gate and through your ear gate what you select to watch on there will, will actually affect you very severely That's, we don't have it I haven't had it for years um, because I want to keep my mind clear and pure I can't have pure thoughts if there are images coming into my mind of what I've seen and words coming into my mind of what I've heard. You just get to choose. So personal ambitions. Any ambition established deep within our will becomes the pole star of our daily decisions. Everything will revolve around that and point to one object. Everything else can become secondary. Do I have a godly or ungodly ambition? my thought life i'm not what i think i am but what i think i am peter Horribin first said that and i really had to sit there and unpick it (laughs) i'm not what i think i am but what i think i am as a man thinks in his heart so is he comes out doesn't it our persistent old thought patterns are the toughest soil that god ever has to tackle And some of us harbour places where unforgiven grudges and grievances have hardened us against others over the years. Even the dynamite of the Holy Spirit can scarcely break up the compacted soil of hostility and censure within us. Actually, when Robin and I were talking, I gave him a book to read on forgiveness, and he said, I can't retain any of what you've said so I sat him down and gave it to him again (coughs) gave him another 10 minutes went in and he said I I think you've got a spirit of unforgiveness and bitterness dear we need to get that out of the way before you can actually understand what the book is saying so we got rid of that and then he understood the soil of his heart had been so compacted over the years into a place of censure, hostility judgment, resentment unforgiveness, bitterness that he was unable to see. So the dynamite of the Holy Spirit blasted in there, helped his eyes, helped his ears. Proverbs 23, 7 As a man thinks in his heart, <coughs> so is he. What would you do if your thought life was going across the front here like a ticker tape and everybody could read it? What would you do if I said there is someone living within you who knows every thought you're having? (laughs) And you can't get away from it. We have to let the Holy Spirit deal with it, deal with our thought life. Okay, so we've we've looked at the garden of our lives and, and whether we've got the soil on the outside edge Hopefully most of us have got good soil, you know, the 30, 60, 100-fold soil. But if we feel we've got the soil that is on the outside edge, well, maybe we need to say to the Father, is this what's wrong with me? Why I'm not actually getting anywhere? That my heart is, is compacted down and I just don't, I don't feel you, I don't know you, uh, but I know that you're drawing me. Because he, he, his desire... Um, I was actually saying to him and thanking him this morning for his, what Graham calls intentionality towards us. He is purposeful towards us. He doesn't leave us down here uh, just to meander through life till we go to be with him. He's really purposeful in his dealings with us as individuals. So he's drawing every individual heart in the way that he knows that individual heart will come to him. He's wooing us sometimes he has to use a hammer sometimes it's so gentle and he tells his ministers be gentle there are people that he said to me they are like fine china and I'm entrusting them to you don't break them so I have to be very careful on the other hand sometimes I've got a bit of a hammer and I have to hammer away because I know that there is something going on there and I'm not getting the truth so I have to keep hammering away. It's not my word like a hammer. It says Nasa, uh, and the word. Someone rang me the other night. It was really quite funny. Uh, the, just we were just in, just finishing my last mouthful of my meal in the evening, and she rang. And she off she went. I mean, he's not done this. He's not done that. And he hasn't been. He's been married so many weeks now, and I haven't seen him. Beep 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 beep. This 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 this. And I'm trying to get a word in there. And in the end, I said to her, I can't carry on this conversation. It's circular. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I can't, I can't break through. I nearly had apoplexy at the dinner table. A good, very good you know, lesson in patience. Perseverance. Long-suffering and endurance. <laughs> With an awkward butting sheep. In the end, I said to her, I'm going to church in a minute. I said, oh, good. I said, here, look read Matthew 5, will you? Just read Matthew 5. I thought, let the Word do its work. I said to the Lord, I can't get through. I let the Word do its work. Quarter to nine, (laughs) Joyce took the call. It's self-centered from... (laughs) Whether she had read... (laughs) But she was completely different. Completely different. And whether she'd read Matthew 5 or not, she said, I've been terrible, haven't I? have I been like it for a year I said truth she said yes I said yes it's been leading up to the wedding it's been the wedding and now it's post the wedding and I've heard nothing else but how it affects you it's been terrible I've been terrible she said. totally different tone in her voice everything now whether she did sit in her pew and read Matthew 5 or not I don't know but it went through and the word did its work Um, She's the sort of person that I can speak to her and I'm thinking she's not hearing. She's actually hearing but not responding to what I'm saying. So it's going in and I'm getting this other stuff that I'm trying to combat while it's coming. But let the Word do its work. So going back to where, uh, where we were looking at the fruit, we're studying the fruit of the Spirit for those of you that have just joined us. And the fruit we're looking at is patience. And uh, on Monday night, I showed that mine still needed a bit of dealing with, didn't I? We were all gathered, weren't we? And next door's halogen lamps went on and lit the place up. <laughs> and of course, I responded in my, eh, halogen lamps, me. <coughs> and Trish said, oh, it's ever so nice to know you're not quite dealt with yet. <laughs> <laughs> you only have to live here for 24 hours to find that out. I said no, there's one or two things I'm working on like cars with noisy exhausts and lamps and dogs barking next door, but they're my grace growers, that's what they're there for. So the fruit isn't ours, it's his spirit living in us and through us. So have a little crop examination, what's your crop looking like, 30, 60 or 100 fold? And grace is the power that we appropriate to change. We are not supposed to do this by ourselves. It's ours to die and his to live through us. It's ours to die and his to live for, Paul says, doesn't he? Uh, Life is at work in you and death is at work in us. What he's saying is, I'm dying all the time to my old self so that life might be fed out to you. So grace is that power. Grace is not a puff of cloud and all airy-fairy and you know, of grace and peace you know. I keep finding myself saying go in peace to love and serve the Lord, the old Anglican, but really that is a lovely blessing. Taking the mic out of it, but it's a lovely blessing. Go in peace. You are giving them peace, aren't you? So we looked at the definition of patience, now you're going to have to write fast or else have these notes. The meaning in the Greek has no true equivalent in English so often the case. It's not, oh, well, I'll just wait, you know, um, patience or (laughs) ho-hum. Patience is the powerful capacity of selfless love to suffer long under adversity. It is a noble ability to bear with either difficult people or adverse circumstances without breaking down. Ask Joyce. It's a generous willingness to try to understand the awkward people and the disturbing events that Father allows to enter our lives. It enables us to remain steadfast under strain, not just standing still but pressing on. Patience is the most potent perseverance, all the peace that produce positive results even under opposition and suffering. So patience isn't just, you know, I'm just being a bit. Patient here while you get ready, or sit down and pay attention. When I told a friend of ours that, uh, you know, people commonly went to sleep while I'm teaching, oh, she said, you don't put up with that, do you? I said, well, poor little mites, if they're tired, it's no good shaking them awake till they come here not Let them sleep. God will do what he wants to do anyway. I mean, let him be God. They come in here, they get touched touched by the Lord, they fall asleep. Wonderful. No problem. I'm I'm not I'm not making a platform for myself. I thought I think I think I need to look deeper into that remark really. So we looked also at what waiting on the Lord looked like. Um and a soulish wait is full of questions, just wanting out of a situation, never learning anything just looking for ways to escape and a spiritual wait is peaceful and expectant it's not sitting there not thinking anything is going to happen we saw didn't we that it was a straining forward and waiting for our uh, pinions to grow sometimes like eagles spread eagled on a, on a, a rock waiting for those pinion feathers to grow so that the day will come when we do rise up like eagles and it's not just waiting just so long and then thinking I've got to take some action to make something happen here, which is what we so often do. Someone I was talking to the other day as something I forget what it was all about, but Graham tells the story of the man that came up to him in the in the line, and and, and Graham said to him, the, "The Lord wants you to to you know die to yourself." And the man said, "How long will it take?" So he said, "If I told you, you'd hold your breath." Because <laughs> <laughs> we yeah it's over <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and, it would, and the work would not would not be able to do its work mm-hmm. uh, that's why it's so important to know who's doing what to whom in any given situation uh, i'm mean, always saying it to you guys you know when you come up against a circumstance find out who's doing what to whom mm-hmm. then you know on what ground you stand you know those questions is this you is this the devil Am I reaping what I've sown? Am I training for raining? You know, uh, can't remember the other one. You're nailing something. No, you're nailing something, thank you. <laughs> well taught, yeah. Oh, sometimes it's the same question as Mary asked. What does this mean? Um, I had a lesson from the Lord about prayer on uh, Monday, I think it was, which made me smile when Sue rang yesterday. No, it was yesterday. I'm pleading, I'm bleating, this is called prayer, pleading, bleating, going on, banging on about the same thing and all of a sudden right across what I'm doing the Lord said I don't want you to plead, so I stopped, I want you to ask, that really stopped me because I've been whinging on about this and that, whatever it was, I can't remember what I was, well I can but I can't disclose it. I've been whinging on about what I was praying about, and when he said, I want you to ask, I thought, what do I ask for? Because when it came down to actually specifics, I didn't know what it was I should ask for, because I've been so busy whinging. As as Graham would say, God said to him, don't whine, Graham, I'm fed up with your whining. (laughs) So it was, don't whine. So I said to the Holy Spirit, "What do I have to pray here?" So He gave me a one-liner. So I prayed it. Peace. I'd spent I don't know ten minutes whinging and talking round the subject, trying to figure out how God could do it. <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to do this, or maybe even you might fancy doing that. But then, of course, there's always that, an old oh, dear anyway. <laughs> Stop whining. Lord, learnt the lesson there. So when we've asked, wait and not wait just so long, like Saul did. You know, I waited and you didn't come and lost the throne, didn't he? Over it, we looked at that. So we may not initially be able to prevent ourselves from feeling impatient, but we can choose to behave patiently following feelings is a very dangerous thing to do those of you that know me know the three cats fact, faith and feeling the three cats walking along the wall all the while faith kept his eyes on the facts he was alright but when he looked round at feelings they both fell off the wall do not go by your feelings this morning I did not feel anointed I did not feel I had a message but I didn't go by what I felt I go, went by the seeds that God had shown me, and the seeds that Joyce talked about yesterday. <laughs> didn't know. Joyce said, when a chicken or any of those birds has got a crop full of seeds, you can actually feel the hardness of it in their neck, that's right, isn't it? I feel the hardness of the yeah. seeds in their neck, and yeah. <laughs> she looked at me and said, you've got a crop full of seeds and grit and grit it's very flattering so last week um we looked at one of the cycles that god takes us through and that little top thing that i thought was very clever i managed to balance that on there um was the relational cycle there are lots of cycles there's the relational cycle the it and um, anointing, the ministry cycle, the work cycle, there's all sorts of cycles intertwining but each one will start with God and bring you back to God because he's cyclical, he's not linear. We're linear in our thinking, we start and end a book, we wait for a train to get us from here to there but everything starts with him and ends with him and we saw that each cycle had got its place of worship and surrender, pleasure and pain. So we get in the cycle there somewhere, we go through those things. But he will not take you out of the cycle until he's onto the next thing, which is sonship, I haven't got that up there. It starts with sonship, then servanthood, then friendship, and then finally a slavery. Uh, because Paul, if you remember, speaks of being a slave of Christ uh, and in chains for the gospel. Um, but he won't take you out into servanthood until he's established you in sonship until you know whose you are he just won't do it so he won't let you though the church will put you into doing before you know who you are Uh, and that's what you have to watch out for oh you're good at this can you do that but all the while, God, in his relationship with you, wants to establish you in whose you are. When you're established in knowing whose you are in Christ, he can safely release you into servanthood. Otherwise, you become like the older brother. Had everything that in father's house, but resented the prodigal. Um, and I, w- I was thinking, not that you resent Mike, Mick um, at all, but I was thinking this morning that, that, that the relationship with you and Mick is like the relationship with Joyce and I. I came in 100% in love with God. Joyce came in more like the elder brother. So we've got the prodigal and the elder brother, the legalistic tendency and the grace and love tendency, in bo- in bo- so that we've got the two extremes. That Mick will always go for God's love, his grace, he understands it, he walks in it because he knows what he's been forgiven, but if we come in on a cerebral t- ticket, as it were, we get to be like the older brother, and we cannot see the love of God that is like that religiousness over us is so difficult to break through it, and 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 the tendency is to say, "I don't feel God, I don't know him." and it's because we've come in on an understanding up here and our hearts have never been touched so guess what he's after he's after touching your heart he's after captivating your heart and his, his pursuit of that is, is, is everything he's after he's not after you doing something for him he lets us play but it's all him I mean, with Robin, we had someone here on Saturday. His hearing came back 100%. His, his hearing had been very, very bad. Um, and uh, just prayed as the Lord directed. Went and sat down, rustled my papers, and he said, uh, would you mind not making so much noise with those papers? He'd had a miracle. His eyes as well were, were better too. But the fact is that it's all God. <coughs> I can't do that. All I can do is what he tells me to do, you know, put your spade there, so dig where I've made a cross, so I'll dig there. Can't take any glory for it. Um, so it's the two extremes of the, of the elder brother and the prodigal son. There's so much in that story that I think we miss. Because the elder brother was an unhappy fella. He could have always had a party with his friends. But he didn't have it, because he didn't know who he was. He was working all the time. He couldn't see there was any pleasure in being in Father's house. He just couldn't see it, because his heart had never been touched. But right now, God's after the elder son. The prodigals have come galloping home, but he's after the elder brother. My son, give me your heart. So there's cycles. And two things are going on there. He's teaching us to trust him in everything and for everything. That doesn't mean that we uh, loose off responsibility for anything, but it does mean we cast our care. When he says cast your care, it doesn't mean cast your responsibility. I can't say to people, oh, you don't need to go to work, it's all right, the Lord will provide, you know. That is just irresponsible. You do need to go to work, you do need to be occupied with your hands, you do need to be doing something. Uh, because your children need feeding and your wife needs looking after. So you, there is, you have to look at the whole counsel of God. It says in uh, Timothy, I think, if a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. So that's a bit strong, isn't it? But uh, what he's saying is don't let him get on the end of the soup queue if he doesn't want to work. Um, don't let him be on, on the dole when he could actually actively be working. So you have to have to look at it rightly divide it, hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in, in any given circumstance. Trouble is with throwing out things like this, people get wrong. Impressions of where I'm coming from. So he's doing two things, he's teaching us to trust him in and for everything and he is testing us to see if he can trust us, because it's a completely different thing for you to trust him but for him to trust you is something altogether scarier, different. When he starts giving you responsibility for people that are so precious to him you know what responsibility is because anyone in leadership should be aware of who they give account to how they treat the flock if it is if it it, if it is god that is bringing a rebuke or if it's them very rarely do you bring a rebuke you might bring a rebuke but it is clothed in the right way to just bring about what God wants to bring more in sorrow than in anger you know I've dealt with with so many people in so many different circumstances and seen the mercy and the grace and the love of God like I've learnt more about God's character by sitting where I sit than anything else because if I will open up myself to what he is saying about the person who is in front of me You don't get a little pastry cutter and cut them out like little gingerbread men. He sees each child as so precious, so individual. He so knows you and he will so meet you right where you are. Whether you think you're in the right place or not. He's not bothered about that. What he's bothered about is reaching you, touching your heart. Having a relationship with you. Piglet and Pooh. I mean, I can't get over that. These let me use <laughs> Cause I sat there this morning thinking, I'm seeing Piglet and Pooh. I'm seeing Pooh Bear and this great big tummy. You know, the the, the real, the proper Pooh. Not, the, not the, the animations they have these days, but the proper Pooh Bear as he was done uh, when he first was created. He was such a lovable bear, wasn't he? He was just and so so strong as far as Piglet was concerned, because Piglet's only very very little and pink. and Piglet. So, so we've had a look uh, earlier on at what we're reaching for, what we're striving after, uh, and if it isn't him, you are doomed not to reach it, because <laughs> he would make sure you don't it's called unshared love he doesn't want us to share with anyone else the love that he gives to us and we give back to him as we love because he first loved us and out of that love comes our love for other people but there is a way in which our love for him is unshared love he's jealous for it it's his your heart is his garden that's where he wants to walk with you in the cool of the day where he wants to show you you've got leeks growing where you should have radishes or whatever it is where you've got the odd wrong thing growing up in the patch it's his he wants to walk with you in that and i just uh, want you to imagine something i saw this this morning harrod's sale the sale of the year you've seen in the window what you want you know what it is you want uh, each individual will be something else your the doors open and there's crowds of people you're pressing to get your hands on whatever it is or whoever it is you want so there you're going for it this is your object what would it look like if you were to change from chasing what you want to chasing after him How would your life have to change to start pursuing the things he says to pursue? Somewhere it says, doesn't it, follow after peace, like pursue it, chase after it. What would it look like if your focus were to change and what would next year look like? If suddenly from being focused on getting your needs met, whatever your desire is, getting it, to focus in on him. Just a thought. In James it says you kill and covet, you ask and you don't get, because they're asking for the wrong things. So how would your life look if you were going to live in um, Titus 2? This grabbed me by the throat the other morning, this... uh, scripture i've got uh, through the bible in a year which is is very useful because it's all worked out for you you don't have to struggle with it and i've read titus i don't know how many times but this particular morning i'm in titus 2 and it's it says what must be taught to various groups and i thought how would the church look if these things were actually taught how different would it be you must teach, I'm in the New International what is in accord with sound doctrine, number one sound doctrine doctrine is something we don't hear too much about these days I'm doing this thing on the doctrine of war and I thought doctrine is a dirty word people say, doctrine divides well it does if you argue about it but you don't have to argue you can just lay down what you believe God has shown you and keep out of the argument and let the word do its work you don't have to argue but doctrine we need otherwise we don't know <laughs> stop? Okay. Let's, Don't kick me under the table again I won't understand what you mean <laughs> <laughs> I told Joyce if I was saying too much when we were first here if I'm saying too much give me a kick under the table I said so we're out, aren't we? Somewhere, a table full of people. All of a sudden, I feel the kick. So I look at her I said, what are you doing? That Fosco?" you're me. <laughs> what what are you kicking me? It, it was a signal, and I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have a little thing up. Shut up! <laughs> oh, Right. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sounds like you earn respect, doesn't it? Self-controlled and sound in faith, love and endurance. going to do a bit on that if I get the chance. After we've done the Doctrine of War in the afternoon, we're going to do some little bits about honour and respect. Another thing we don't see much of in this day and age. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, Not to be slanderous, We looked at that on Monday night, didn't we? That gossip was a dust of slander. Or addicted to too much wine. But to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. To be kind and to be subject to their husbands. So that no one will malign the word of God. I thought, it was like this came out at me. And I thought, I don't see that happening in the church. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness of old and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing, the parousia, of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his own eager to do what is good these then are the things you should teach encourage and rebuke with all authority do not let anyone despise you and the other thing that came to me this morning after I'd read that Uh, he gave himself for us to redeem us to purify for himself a people that are his very own was Graham saying on his um, one of his tapes uh, no in, in on the oh dear one of the CDs where he talks about when you really know the sovereignty of God in your life and his lordship over all things seen and unseen and i've been thinking about that sentence you know for about a fortnight now when you really know his lordship and over things seen and unseen when you really know that he is everything everything's under his control and i thought of a pen i haven't got one anybody got a pen thank you this pen is mine thank you let's say this pen is mine I bought it I possess it I own it in the bath I was thinking this supposing this pen says to me yeah well maybe uh, but I'll give you uh, Sundays no wait a minute I'll give you a couple of hours on a Sunday morning because uh, I can't spend any spend, spare any more time um, I know you bought me but I've got ideas of my own about where I want to be uh, and I'm looking for a breast pocket that I can snuggle into and look so lovely in, you know, with just my little hook standing there, I can be there, and that'll be just what I'm after. And I thought, it's a bit like us, aren't we? We are bought with a price. We are owned by him, but we go on like a So ridiculous, isn't it, that a pen would think that? Well, yeah, I can give you a couple of hours. Actually, I can't give you all day Sunday, because I've got an arrangement to meet someone for lunch, so... I'll just put you in for a couple of hours on Sunday morning and you can write with me as much as you like on Sunday morning because that's your time, I've allocated it to you. I thought, are we not like that? We don't realise what it means to be, thank you, bought at a price. We act like, well, you can have that and you can have that 10%, you can have 10% of my time, 10% of my money, uh, and that's it then, the rest of my time's my own we do not understand that when we made the, God made the exchange at the cross and we accepted that exchange we came out of the slave market of sin into slavery in Jesus Christ. We were as much under bought by Satan as, as anything and we were his puppets then we did exactly what he told us to do. Now we come over here We've still got the same hands on the controls. Because we don't realise that we are blood-bought, our lives are not our own, There's to be laid down in His service, everything is to be brought under His control, His loving domination, His executive control of His Holy Spirit. It's the only place to be at peace. So I start reading things like that, you know, like Titus there, and I thought, we don't teach that in church we get a sermonette we don't teach the young women how to be busy at home how to please their husbands how to do all the things we don't teach the older men how to be uh, you know what's needed for the younger men to see as an example none of that because why because there's no doctrine we have lost as Tozer says our once majestic idea of God and traded it for something so unmentionable and it's been a gradual thing and it started very very soon after the Apostles died out within 60 years this came into the church lukewarmness nothing as I said when I've come to sort of unpick Christmas a bit that uh, it's, it's, it's not meant to be something that is making you th- go into... I'm not trying to be... I do trust I'm not coming across as legalistic. Because it's not my intent. What I'm trying to say is there is a love relationship to be had with the creator of the universe, the like of which you have never known in your earthly life at all. And you know when we we did the uh, baton teaching on sex, sexuality and morality, we looked at what it is to be infatuated what it is to be in love and what it is to be whole before you go into a relationship so that it's not to un- unwhole people trying to get their needs met through somebody else which is a recipe for disaster and divorce because they can never do it it's always got to be him and if you are focused on him first many young ladies are not actually finding their partners yet because they're not whole and God won't let them until they're whole because otherwise they go trying to dip their bucket in their spouse and he cannot do it he cannot give them the nurture that they're crying out for he's not meant to he's meant to cherish his wife love her as Christ loved the church and she to honor and respect him and, and revere him It'd be brilliant to bring those things back into the Christian church I heard some teaching the other day that uh, Chuck Chip Ingram brilliant guy on a lot of things but this teaching I thought oh no don't do that he was teaching on the marriage covenant and he was giving them cards and making them say that they, they had to write down that they would not um, break the marriage covenant and I thought the minute you try to make someone do that without exp- the love of God in there the first thing that will happen is they want to get out of the relationship because it will feel like a bondage and a bandage and a and a commitment that I can't possibly keep supposing next week I thought well you know something terrible it it was it was just I thought I can't go along with this It's, it's, it's amazing how you can listen to someone and agree all the way along and then you hear something and you think I think you're off base there boy but of course, next week I may change my mind because I'm constantly in a place where I'm repenting, changing my mind about how I thought, you know, what I'm, where I'm at this week is not where I was at. Hmm. So, got off a bit there. So, back to our fruit, quickly. Patience is the beginning of love. Love is patient. You'll like this. I'll finish with it. One of the greatest ways to show love to others is to be patient with them, with my neighbour who puts his allergen lights on, with the one who runs the car outside and all other than that, and the one whose dog barks at quarter to eight in the morning or earlier. Patient with their weakness and faults remember you have yours. Patient with their slowness, patient with their differing opinions, patient with their personality. Patient when they tell you something for the third time. Patient when they tell you every minute detail of a story you aren't interested in anyway. (laughs) Patient when they call you before 8 o'clock and after 11. Patient when they are silly and you want to be serious. Patient when you are sick or going through a really rough time and they seem to be clueless concerning your needs patient when people push in front of you get through the door first take your parking space fill your chair you put your own in the blanks each time we give our emotions over to the pressure of impatience we feed an area that that is hostile to God and strengthen it for another time and place we feed the snake every time we covenant with the enemy that's what we do when we lose it and he's strengthened for the next time so there are many facets of love but they all require patience practice goals makes a gentleman makes perfect it's something we become not something we strive to do and we become by making the right choices Bless you and thank you for listening. God bless. Thank you.